sense, yeah, it make no sense, no, it make no sense, yeah. Make no sense, yeah. Make no sense, no, make no sense, young all right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. 87737-GRIND is your number. Um, all right, so before we leave the NBA scene, so the referee, you, you brought up an interesting thing right when we went to that break, or right after we logged off a break. Um because I knew the referee, he's been in the league for 19 years. But you saying that in regards to how many finals has he worked? Uh, through Yahoo Sports, he's worked five, the last five NBA finals. So this one is definitely, you know, something of note. It's not like it's just like, oh, he's not working the finals. No, of all the officials, he would have been on this crew. Right. Um, so this kind of is almost serving as, like, if, if you were to look at it in player terms, you could maybe look at it as time served already if there is a future suspension. Right. Um, but him being pulled off is, is is of note. Well, again, that's why I just say that I feel like they need to they need to get this investigation going. They need to, you know, give him and give the public his faith because there's a lot of speculation out there about what this means. And, and, again, the NBA is just they walk that thin line, which they've got a base out there that feels like everything's fixed or reps are in it for so-and-so, so they've got to get things in my opinion, up to speed here quickly. Also, uh, we've got another coach in hire. Oh, Monty. Yeah, good coach. Monty Williams signs the rich. If I'm not mistaken, this is the richest contract in NBA history for a coach to go coach the Detroit Pistons. What's the tell of the tape? Uh, through Woj, set, uh, six years, $78.5 million uh, is, is, dollars is his contract, the largest uh, coaching deal in NBA history. Um, and let me tell you, I think Monty's getting paid for his, his body of work with teams that he's taken over, getting them winning and into the play, getting them winning records into the playoffs. Back to when he was with Charlotte and basically with Phoenix. Like I said, Phoenix was horrible before Monty showed up in that little period. I'm not talking about back in the Nash days and Mike D'Antoni. I'm talking about the, the tenure right there before Monty showed up. Now, part of this is Detroit knows they've probably got to pay a little bit of extra more than somebody else would for a coach even on Monty's level. Because it's the Pistons and they haven't had that much success, and it's you know of late, you know. Um, so I feel like that's why that number's there. So you know I'm happy for Monty. You know the Pistons have been picking high the last couple of years. They've got some pieces there. You know it's the Eastern Conference. I think he's going to get them respected. I think they're, he's going to get them back in the playoff hunt. Now how long that how that bit will be, I don't know. You know, and what then the Pistons they came in, they got screwed there, right? They got number six, uh, number five, five, the lowest they could have had. Five, and there are reports that uh, we know that Portland has opened up and talked about you know they might trade their pick. Houston at four, I've seen reports that they might trade their pick, and even Detroit, they're at five because you've got those other two, you know, outside of Portland, uh, Houston and Detroit have both been down there long enough. Uh, you know, in terms of you know having lottery assets, uh, Houston hasn't been down there as entirely long, but the assets what three first round picks in one year. So there is a point of when do you start to add veteran leadership into this group of young you know young players? And so there's the reports that 
those two teams, in addition to Portland, could be moving the, uh, open to moving their pick um, to acquire some more veteran assets, and that's almost something that Monty could use. Because when you look at his success in Phoenix, it kind of timed and coincided with the addition of Chris Paul with Booker and Aiton, and so that could really help him there. Yeah, I mean, I can I can buy into that. I mean, that is one of those slippery slopes when you when the timing is where you want to add because again, it depends on, and that's why I kind of go back to my point when we we're talking about uh, Wimby the other day. Um, you know, if you're gonna have that guy in your organization, you're gonna draft him. Let's say even if he's if he's a top five player, okay, they're gonna get a top five player. You've got to you've got to really basically make sure that they're going to be the alpha male in a young team's like let them grow now a few years ago because this this take even goes support because didn't detroit get the number two overall pick just a couple years ago the number one they had the number one in 2021 cade cunningham he missed last uh i think last year because Mm -hmm. of injury right so if you got cade cunningham on there and now you know pretty much a season loss and you're bringing up you got to be careful on what veterans that you bring in though you know, you can't bring in veterans, especially in the NBA. You know, you're not talking about 48 to 50 guys like an NFL roster. You're talking about 15 guys tops in a locker room. So you can't. And so therefore, it's very easy for the personality to sway and take over a locker room in the NBA. And I think you got to be careful with that when you're not, especially when you're not winning. When you're not when you're not ready to win yet, you're not a contender yet, and and Detroit's way off far from being a contender. So as you're building that process, that's I think that's important. But hey, look, I'm happy for Monty. I told you, I mean, I know it's not just you. I know I know you never really questioned his coaching skills. More of like, hey, why can't we talk about him getting fired? But the people like Jazz and a couple other people, oh, I wouldn't want Monty down here, man. Y'all are crazy. Okay, because sometimes you got to have it does matter. Sometimes good coaches can really land in bad situations with bad organizations and not and and not really get, you know, the tip of their capability, you know. So but I'm happy for Monty. That's that's some big money. That's some big money for a coach. What do you got? That's another coaching vacancy filled with Budenholzer still on the market. And that's where I'm like, go ahead, get get Nick Nurse signed. Out of all Monty this, Williams this is where you take it. Out of all this, the Monty thing. Oh, wake me up when Monty gets the job. He gets the highest rich to contract. Yeah, and then now you the old boot still there. No, somebody caught pop. I saw somebody posted a selfie of pop. Somebody caught a selfie with him back in Italy. I think a week ago. Um. Yeah, we still haven't heard anything on his contract situation. Bud's not. But yeah, Bud's gonna be down here as an assistant. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. He's earned the right to go when he wants to go, speaking of Coach Pop. But if he would actually wait until now, at this point, to say, I'm done, I'm going to have a problem with that. Like, we've had a draft. We've had, because why? Because there's other coaches. Now, granted, there's going to be a plan in place already on who that's going to be. But I'm like, come on. You know? But then it'll support your theory. You had, oh, he wanted to wait to the finals because this is going to be big news. It's going, And you know what? Let's say you do say, let's just say you are right. Then you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to sit there and say the next thing I'm going to say, okay, well, let's see how long the national media uh, covers this, this retirement. And, it, and, it'll and, really and get that, its drum during the, during the season that it'll be the first one without him. But, yeah. 
No, if, maybe, it, if it was right now, again, I feel like we'd be talking a lot about it a lot more. But I don't think it would, because the reason why I pushed back, because the Spurs have never been covered like that. And I understand that's pop. I mean, go back to him getting the all-time winnings coach record. I mean, that that was like a day and a half, if that, and they moved on. And he wants it like that. But what I'm telling you, this isn't on the level of Alex Rodriguez announcing in the World Series that he's going to do a deal with the Rangers or the Yankees, whatever it was, the Tim and Scott Boris jacked the whole World Series. I forgot which one that was. This isn't on the level of, let's say, LeBron James saying, this is it. Like, if LeBron comes out and says, I'm done, then yeah, in which that would be, he would get ripped for that, and he should. But I'm just saying, I understand that's pop, and, and he's very well respected to the league, but that's I don't think that's going to have the legs you think. Cause, and a part of it has to do with, because it's been so anticipated for years now, I mean, it's not going to come totally a shock to anybody. But I'll, I could see Bud down here on the bench, which I'm still going to have a problem with that because that could lead into eventually, if it ain't this season, the next season. Okay? And you know who else is stuck on this bench? Brent Brown. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway. Speaking of that, before we leave the NBA scene, don't want to spoil it for anybody that hadn't seen it, which I stumbled. I heard about it was in the making, but I stumbled on it. It was a light, it was a light night yesterday, of course, with games except baseball. Um, everything but the chip documentary on Larry Brown and AI, and I think it's ironic that we had just this discussion a week ago before we broke in regards to uh, who who was having the decision. Oh, I'm, I'm in a debate. Uh, Channing Fry. God, there you go. That's all you need to know. Channing Fry. Oh, I'm in this debate and uh, looking at James Harden and AI's numbers and, you know, they really compare you. It's, it's a tough argument. Man, Channing Fry, stop it. This documentary, I mean, it's it's about an hour long, hour and a half long, and it kind of centers around that year that they did make it to the NBA Finals, that run, and it kind of touches on a lot of how bad, and I remember this, but I forgot how bad the relationship really was between AI and Larry Brown, and it kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit in regards to how... You know, the owner at that time, very energetic owner, I remember him, had to get in between to kind of smooth it out. But that was a hell of a season. That was AI's MVP season and really going into that. And and unfortunately for them, they ran into a buzzsaw, that Lakers team, you know, one a buzzsaw that had pretty much ran through um, the Western Conference undefeated. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I had never seen anything like that, and I couldn't stand that team. That team, I couldn't stand it. Of course, it touched on the Spurs a little bit because that's the day. And Jack said, "Hey, yeah, they swept us. We were we were trying to sweep them. We wanted we wanted that. They that's the one where Tim looked like he was about to cry on the sideline. I'm talking about every game was a beat down by like 20. They didn't even look like they belonged on the same court. That was a hell of a Laker team. I couldn't stand them though. But that documentary just basically reminds you how bad of a man AI was. And I wasn't even a big AI fan, but of course I told you it was because of Georgetown. And I was rolling with George. Anything that Coach, uh, the late Coach Thompson, put out, and I know AI, and I understood the whole legal trouble that he got into, the situation he did. You know, being recruited, leaving Georgetown, getting ready for the league. I, you know, look that guy. Pound for pound at his size was a bad man. James Harden doesn't have an artery in his heart that can even be on the level, I mean, of AI. You know, just a bad dude, man. Bad dude. 
but yeah, I, I I advise you you get a chance. It's on NBA TV if you have that or subscribe to that. I'm pretty yeah, you sure don't you need can. league pass. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you don't need. Oh, the if league. you wanted to watch it on demand on on NBA, I'm looking at their. Well, website. you can have NBA TV. You don't need to have the league pass. You can have the NBA. It was on NBA TV. You don't have to have there the league go. pass. Yeah, if you got NBA TV, they showed it on there. Um, but if you get a chance to uh, check that out, I think that's really. Um, it shows the maturity of him at that time, you know, finally getting it in the relationship with Larry Brown. And even though I understand what happened when he went to the Nuggets and George Call, I mean, last couple stops were rough with AI, you know, in him, but definitely one of the best uh, to ever do it. 877-37-GRIND. All right, switching gears a little bit. Speaking of uh, basketball, one other note. And, you know, it's crazy because I was just thinking about this the other day, like, yo, man, because we, you know, of course, in this region, we got all hyped up for the uh, number one overall pick and Wimby and we were draft watching and all that. Well, the college player of the year, Edie. Yeah, Zach Edie. Zach Edie? Yeah, is going back, has declared himself going back to Purdue, taking himself out of the NBA draft. I mean... For one, it seems like it's going to be like, man, this guy's been here forever. I'm, I'm going to be like, I know I'm going to having this take. I'm going to forget and go back next year, probably about you know college basketball usually tips off like around in November, right around Thanksgiving time a little bit more. And I know probably by December I'm going to look like, damn, this guy's still here. But yeah, he's he's going back to the draft. I mean, back to college. Um, we all know the big disappointment, the big upset for Purdue losing uh, in the first round last year, uh, this past uh, year, excuse me, March Madness. But you got to think about a guy of his size. Seven four three zero five. Seven four three zero five. 305 And let me tell you what this is. This is basically his agent – or either, you know, their evaluation that you get. I don't know if you really hired an agent or not. But just the information that you get back from NBA teams, this is really a result of that he has not gotten a high grade and basically is not projected to probably be even a first-round pick in this year's draft. Okay? So, that's what this is about. Now, granted... The thing when you talk about the measure, the tape of his size, just think think about that where we are in the NBA, that a guy that size. Now, I understand when you look at him, you know, um, his footwork is kind of slow. I mean, he he's kind of like, you know, if, the, if he was – put it this way. If he was coming out of Purdue, because I think he's been there all three – he must have some eligibility left. He's got to at least have been there all three or four years, right? He's entering his senior season. Okay, so this would be his senior year. Okay. If this was, I'm going to say, I'm going to say about 10 to 12 years ago, he wouldn't be coming out back to Purdue. He'd be going to the draft. So look at the game of how it's changed and how these GMs and scouts evaluate talent at overseas, the college level, G League, whatever. When you have a guy that size, that is having to go back to his senior year after being the college player of the year, go back for his senior year because now 
I could be speeding a little bit saying that that means that he's not going to be a first overall, I mean, a first round pick. That might be a little bit too much because basically, but it still results into that. It could be like, hey, you know what? I'm probably projected to go 10 or 12. But if I go back for my senior year and let's say we have a good March Madness run, a good March run. Now, all of a sudden, I've gone to maybe being the 10th pick, 15th pick in this draft or maybe not even the first round to now. Maybe I could be the top two pick in next year's draft, a top three. So I just think I'm bringing it up because he was the college player of the year, but also his size. That's fascinating to me that a guy that size and I've seen him play, but I understand he's not as quick. Al Joe, he needs some footwork, but that's why you get coaches. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, we think about the players just being the best of the best in the NBA. The coaching and the coaching staff is supposed to be the best of the best when you get to the NBA level. So you whatever deficiencies he has right now with Purdue, because I ain't too high on his, his coach anyway down there. I, I think he's been he's he's been stealing money for the last couple of years, in my opinion. So I just believe if you give this young man some great coaching at the next level with that side, you can't teach size. But I just thought it was like, wow, this guy's having to go back to college, man. He must have some bad reviews coming back on him for the next level. It's the second consecutive uh, men's basketball player of the year to go back. To college. Mm, that's an interesting thought. I might have to add that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind Today show is being presented by Dosekis. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. 
We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios, and today's show is being presented by Dosakis. Get a dose. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. Keep in mind, Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich, complex flavor. Then also, Pendleton Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the professional bull riding Velocity Tour. And it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 87737grind. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that that was just amazing that, um, you know, a college player of the year and a guy that size where we're at in the NBA is having to go back for his, uh, you know, senior year. Um, we've got Daryl Legion sending me a message in regards to that saying maybe the team he's projected to go to, he doesn't want to play there. Um, no, Daryl, I disagree with that. And and I disagree with that from that's a standpoint and not to pile on Daryl, but that's a standpoint from fans and, and the fantasy world out there. This is a job. This is an opportunity to where you worked all your career to go ahead and get in the national basketball association and have generational wealth change and type of money. I don't care what you grew up as a fan of. I don't care what team have sucked or who you were playing on the playground. Say, I don't want to play with them. By the time you put all this work in and get to this point, I don't care if you're talking NFL. I don't care if you're talking NBA. You're going to go where you get drafted. Now, the only thing that basically has come similar to that is, I was going to say, the only outlier to the rule is that is there's only been a few of them in the NFL. And that took by the name of a guy named John Elway, basically, who bucked the trend for the first time. Why? Because he had the Yankees to fall back on. Uh, the other one was Eli Manning. And the only reason why, uh, which he ended up being, no one talks about this, but he ended up, it ended up being a right move <laughs> that he didn't go because of the way the organization. But the reason why Eli is able to do it, because of his last name on the back of his jersey. So those are two outlier situations. For the most part, you're going to be wanting to go, this This is jobs. Because if that's the case, if, if you're sitting there, to your theory, Daryl, if you're sitting there saying, well, he doesn't want to get drafted because we're – well, first of all, NBA, it's hard to project what team you're going to be drafted at. This ain't like the NFL. Like Unless, unless you're, you're the top, top – yeah. I would say even unless you're the top two. I think anything after the top two can get screwy, whether it's a trade, whether it's whatever. Like, one and two are pretty much like if you know you're one of the two bet, like Scoot and, and, and Wimby, they've known for a while they're going one and two or in most likely going two. They have. At the end of the day, because you got people that give you reports and give you information like that. But due to the fact of you can't sit there and say, well, it looks like they're going to be picking here in the NBA. It's not like, hey, in the NFL, you suck. Your record is going here. We know what the order is a long time ago. But even with that said, what sense does it make coming back to your senior year if it's because a team, just because you don't like that team would go when you come back and you run the risk of blowing your knee out? This has everything to do with that he's not getting his highest grade as he thought he would in the 2023 draft. 
And there is a big difference from if this kid, this young man would, would slide, I don't know, to 15 uh, out of the top 10 to where next year if it's projected, especially if he can have a, another good year and he can basically lead his team. I don't know what Purdue has coming back around him, but if he can make a better appearance in the tournament he in his size he can, and he can improve on some things, then pretty much he can improve his stock to maybe even go on top five. Now, what I do feel, before I'll add that, I'll let you go ahead and chime in. What did you want to add? Well, just a couple notes here on Edie. And looking at the four-letter networks report, they didn't have him in there uh, as, as even a top two or top three center. He was number four mm-hmm. in this year's class. Uh, ranked 47th overall in their NBA draft rankings. 47 puts you right there at the end of round two. Um, so, it, whether he again, whether he would have really fit there or not, and then again, you look at, at you you look at, and and over the last ten years, big white guys that that were coming off of National Player of the Year, and you can even go back, you know, fifteen years and add in Tyler Hansborough into this. Um, so but, you, but let me let me put the disclaimer: you, you're putting race into this because you disclaimed that you said big white guys. So you're you're well, putting the race this, this factor. This is the profile this. that he fits. That, that, that's all I'm saying. That, that, that's his profile that he fits. Whether you want to pro, if you want to, is Evie White? I thought he was. I have to look his mom. I thought he might have some. I thought he, 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 could, he could be a little ahead. bit mixed in with yeah. something in there. Go. Um, but Luca Garza, you know, uh, two years ago, a player of the year. He, he's, he's shining the G League right now. All right, he was one of the captains. It was him and Scoot Henderson captains for the G League All Star game. Okay, go back to Frank Kaminsky in, in Wisconsin. And I guess add throw in Hansbro in there. When you get into the, when you when you fit this kind of profile and and it is profiling, racial profiling does go many different ways. Hmm. Um, and so when you look at his kind of profiling, he's like, okay, well, I really have to step up because look at who came before me, and is my stock really going to meet that? Luca Garza fell to the second round. He was the Player of the Year, went into the draft, and fell to the second round. And you're speaking of Luca Garza. Okay, uh, Kaminsky fell, and, and he hasn't even lived up to it. Then you look at last year. But where did uh, Kaminsky go, though? Where did he draft? Uh, he went to the Hornets, if I'm not mistaken. But, but, but and I think he was oh. maybe top 15. Um, was, I, I don't have that in front that. of me. He was harder than that, but go ahead. But and then and then looking at this, okay, are you fully ready to go to the NBA? Last year, you know, Player of the Year, Oscar Tshwebe of Kentucky. He had a, a fantastic year for two years now. He's led uh, college basketball in rebounding. And there was a, con- a conversation as to whether he goes back to school this year or not. And he just reported yesterday, or he, he released a statement on his social media yesterday saying that he is committing to the draft this year. And he's looking, he was a former player of the year. And he's, he's not even in the top 50 prospects for this class. So college, just like you see in college football, college success in basketball doesn't necessarily translate. And you can even go back and look at your, your Trey Burks and stuff like that. that they but don't I think, have that career. But I think all the examples, because there's a couple hot things you think, because I wasn't going with the race thing, but you needed the race. And you know, it's like Jonas like we could have something mixed in there. I like how they put that in there like that. But anyway, oh, just give me a hard time, but it's funny. You could have something in there. Um Look, man, all the, all the Frank the Tank, Kaminsky, all those guys that you're talking about, though, because this was the center of my whole point of my take, they came out and still went drafted. They still got drafted. Play of the years, they've got, they got drafted. They didn't, they didn't go back. What I'm telling you is the game has changed. If, if ED 10, 15, I would even go 12, no earlier than 12 years ago, 
Edie's not having a college player of the year, whether he ends up, I'm not talking about whether he ends up being a bust or not. Or he's not really, his game isn't for the NBA game. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm telling you is of 12 to 15 years ago, there's nobody that has basically, because first, look, and this is just the reason why I think what you've seen Scoot Henderson do, and I think what you're going to start seeing, the kid that's supposed to be the number one overall pick in 2024, I just brought him up yesterday. He decommitted from Texas. He's going to play in the G League. I think what you're going to start seeing now is because we've had this topic over the years of this show, where it comes to GMs in the NBA have have almost penalized guys for staying three or four years in college because they look at it like, damn, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you? I mean, we got caught up in the one and dones and, you know, one year freshmen's out and all that. It came to a point, you know, that the whole that was a while back in regards to the whole Tim Duncan thing, you know, four years of Wake Forest, this and that. GMs and NBA have used to punish dudes or basically look over. They look overseas, guys that ain't even Americanized yet. And they would leave guys that's been there three, four years, all four years. Oh, we don't know. You didn't come out. You must not be good enough. We went through that era and that period. What I'm telling you is a guy of Edie's size being college player of the year, he's not going back for his senior year. He's coming out his junior year. Whether he's going to be good or not, the point is somebody's going to take that chance on him. I think due to the fact that what scouts think he needs work on and what part of his game is not developed yet, where the NBA is right now, it doesn't fit for a guy that that's that size that can't do anything. We just seen the whole NBA for a year mouth water and salivate over a kid playing in France because of his size and his handles and he can shoot. We just seen that. So the bottom line is what I'm saying is, Edie is an example to where that ain't good enough anymore. For the GMs, the generation of the GMs and scouts are running, you've got to be able to be a good shooter. You've got to be yeah, able to put three, the ball on the thing. All three levels when you're, on the floor. When you're that size. So the point of the take was guys that you, that whole list of names you read out, they were drafted. And most of them guys were in first round. Now, whether they panned out or not, that's totally irrelevant in my take. The point is, is that it's changed now that you're not even willing to take a chance on a guy like that and coach him up. And I do believe that's on coaches, too, as well. I understand there's levels to everything, but, you know, damn it, you know, Larry Brown talked about this in the documentary last night. You know, we, you feel as a staff, when you take losses, if you're a good coaching staff, you believe you're supposed to be able to make adjustments and coach a guy even as an AI talent up. And sometimes I think we overlook that because we think, well, he's coaching. He should be in the NBA. Well, there's levels to everything in coaching. So now the whole – and I don't know if I really believe that it's a stigma of a white thing. I, I, to me, it's it's in regards to if you can play, you can play. And, and I get it, and, and trust me, in the NFL, we've had this take before. I mean, hell, Denver's about to look odd. I mean, how, how many times when you look in D-Rock, how many Caucasian white cornerbacks are there in the NFL? You see, there's been one predominant one in my lifetime that was pretty good for the best one. That he, Jason Seahorn played with the Giants years ago, back in the day. It's always highlighted, like, man, you look out, it's a number game. How many? That's why when Christian McCaffrey jumps on the scene out of out of Stanford, and he jumps and you're like, damn, how many black tailbacks, white tailbacks have been? I get it, but I think in this day and time with jobs on the line and GMs on the line, man, if you can play, you can play. I don't think this has to do with Edie being the stigma of being caucasian or mixed which i don't think he's fully white we can double check on that we can have the racial draft since jonas wanted to go race with this um 
You know, it feels good for Tom to basically pick on a white guy to say, why do you got to bring race into it? Why do you got to talk about race? It feels good to turn the mirror back. Yeah. Jonas turning red as hell if you can see him. Anyway, look, man, he's me. First of all, I feel bad for him because I ain't a big fan of his coach. I don't think he's been coached all the way right. And I'm just telling you that I, this isn't this isn't a shocker. I mean, I spent more time on this than I thought I was today. This is not me. Oh, stop the press, man. Edie's not coming out for the draft. No, no one's even talked about him, really. I came in here before the tournament and said, hey, man, this guy, Edie, I remember him listing one of the guys. I can see maybe the Spurs after him because they've been needing a big guy in size. That was me before I allowed myself to even think they could get Wimby. But he needs some work. This is all. This isn't what Daryl said. This has nothing to do. He doesn't want to be. Pre he's, he sees the projection of, uh, you know, which one he's going to has nothing to do with it. It has the fact that his grades ain't been good that he's returning. And this is a business decision because Edie and probably his team around him say, hey, look, you come back. You go back out, you play your senior, you come back out, that whole projection where ESPN or whoever has them, that could easily switch to maybe a top five next year, especially if he improves. And the other thing, and I will end it on this note, the other thing I will say, and he needs a fit, this just this also could be the fact that he loves Purdue, he loves being a bullet maker, and being upset in the first round by a 15th seed or whatever the hell it was is a bad taste in his mouth. You know, this was the team that Purdue was supposed to finally get a run and make it to the final. They got upset. They were one and done. So part of that, which I would put a small percentage on that, is like, hey, I'm going to go back. I want to go back to try to make a better. And then also in, in the same breath, in the same course of that, I'm going to probably improve my stock in dollars. When you talk about coaching up talents, though, look at there, there's the NBA just re released um, a list of fun facts about this year's finals. And one of them is that this is the first time, I think, in 25 years that the two coaches in the NBA Finals have been with their two franchises more than eight years. Eight or more seasons. Okay, first time in like 25 years. Say, say, say that stat one more time. For the first time in, 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 in like 25 years, mm -hmm. um, the two coaches in the NBA Finals have been with their franchises for more than eight years, and I've got the stat actually right here. So Eric Spolstra is completing his 15th season as the mm -hmm. Heat head coach. And um, Malone, as his eight in his eighth, this is the first time in 25 years that both head coach and uh, coaches in the NBA Finals have been in their position for eight or more seasons. Okay, so the pressure is on on a guy like Edie. You, you're not going to take him high again. His grade has him at the end of the second round. So this isn't the projection of oh, you know, I don't want to play for this team because you're, you'd just be lucky to get drafted at this point if you're Edie. That's what you're, that's just your hope is to walk across the stage. And so that's a great reason to go back to college because there is there's a big money and contract difference from second round to first round and even first round to top ten, you know, or, or being a lottery pick. There's a, it's a big financial decision, yeah. but the coaches can't necessarily take that risk anymore either. We looked at Tibbs the other day. The longest he's his longest his tenure has been with Chicago five years, three years in Minnesota. Three years now, you know, in, in in New York, and we'll see how much longer he stays. Um, and you see, that Monty had what four seasons, so you've got to hit quicker. You don't have time to take on these projects, and especially if you're take a gamble and even you know go with the ED in the first, if, if if because there, you can't teach seven four. Well, you were to reach for him at the end of the first round. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not a coach's call to make. 
the GM has to build a team in regards to what he thinks is going to be in the best long-term uh, interest of the in, for the franchise. Then comes the coach. The coaches have got to uh, – unless you – and there ain't too many people in the NBA coaches-wise. You see it. It's, it's been a dying breed in football and the NFL because it's hard to do. But there ain't too many coaches, if anything. The only one probably sitting down there in East Houston that basically has a coach-slash-GM type of role. You might have some coaches that have some input. That's the reason why the Bob Myers split up or him leaving Golden State is such a big deal because him and Steve Kerr would join at the hip in decisions. Now, you can have that, but at the end of the day, you got some GMs. There's a disconnect with the coach. I might have hired you. You might not be the coach I hired. I was here before you. And the bottom line, I'm going to build the team that basically what I think is the best long-term solution for the franchise. Now, if you can't coach them, then I'm going to put it on you and find somebody that can coach somebody else. Coaches ain't got no decision in regards to whether they want to take an ED or the chance. I mean, I see what you're trying to say, but that, but most coaches aren't in that position. to do. You got a coach or who you draft. I'm just telling you. 12 to 15 years ago, bro, Edie would have been drafted. I don't care yeah. about I don't care about what ESPN has them graded. He's a second round. A guy that size, and I don't care would have not be coming back for his senior year. That's the point of this whole argument. It's not the fact that he was a freshman and he's not going back to the league and he's 7'4 and he's this size. No, man. He's going back for his senior year. It shows you how the scouts in the NBA has changed in regards to what they look at. 877-37-GRIND. Okay, finally, we can move on from the NBA uh, and move on to a little bit of NFL talk, the National Football League, which stands for Not For Long. Um, we got a couple things brewing. One of the news and notes, of, you know, we've been, you know, Raiders have been in the news because of the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, um, because of the surgery that he had after he signed the contract, the failed physical, yada, yada, that had a lot of the black hole nation and other media people saying, wait a minute, maybe Tom is just not buying in the ownership of the Raiders. Maybe he's going to come back and play now, Josh. And I told you, and I know Casey Robb sent me a message the other day if I thought that Tom would come back. And I told him then, I said, no, nah, I think he's done. So Tom Brady had to come out and say, no, I'm pretty sure I'm done with playing football. And I believe him. And why are you going to go to a team, even, I don't care, even if the, even if the connection is there with Josh McDaniels, Raiders are years off. Years off. On paper, they're probably the fourth best team in the division. On paper. Now, you don't win these things on paper, but on paper, they're third at best, maybe fourth. So Tom isn't going to, if Tom was going to still have an itch to play, he would have been trying to latch on to be, hey, Kyle Shanahan, 49ers. Or maybe he would have tried to say, hey, man, Tua ain't going to lie. Let me give it mine. He's not going to, he, he wasn't going to go with the Raiders in that particular way. That team is structured. So I'm glad Tom put it to bed. The thing that's crazy to me, no one's talking about, because it was big news this time last year, is this Fox deal that he signed. His This 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 television deal that was so lucrative, the big in history. We've had, it's almost been crickets like that. The last time I've heard that he was probably having second thoughts of moving forward with that. Well, actually, in his statement where he said, I'm certain I'm not playing again he said because i've already told people that lots of times but i'm looking forward to my broadcasting job at fox next year so next year so he put it off a year so he was able to put it off when you're tom brady you can do that because his ass is supposed to go straight into fire this year but i guess he needed the time off you listen to the sports grind today's show is being presented by dosekis we'll be back When life sounds too much like this, 
It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 